Welcome to the Visual Storytelling Podcast. My name is Fred Ranger, and I'm so happy that you're joining me this week for another episode. We have a very special guest with us, and her name is Valérie Jardin. She's a French photographer, educator, and a lot of other things that we're going to talk about today. And she's based in the U.S. So first of all, Valérie, how have you been? Uh, bonjour, Fred. I've uh, been really well. Thank you. Uh, it's, it's been a while. I can't remember last time we talked, but uh, it's been a few months, maybe a couple of years. I don't know. It seems like the past three years are just a blur. So who knows? Yeah, so so absolutely. It's uh, it's been a it's been a wild ride, if I can say, for uh, for us creators and photographers. So my my first question to you was, um, how have you been over the past, you know, two three years? Like you said, it's kind of a kind of a blur. And have you have you been, you know, keeping busy with photography? Uh, were you able to, to 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 do some workshops, or did you take a this moment to reflect or to take a pause in your in your career? I don't like long pauses, so uh, I I did take the mandatory pause for about 18 months, you know, when no one could travel anyways. Uh, so, yes, that was, uh, that was painful, um, more mentally, I would say, than financially. I mean, yes, financially, too, because, you know, you don't work, you don't get any, any uh, revenue, but uh, mentally was hard because... That's my life, you know, is to travel, meet people, share my passion, you know, on the streets. And uh, and so it was it was painful. I'm glad we did not know how long it would be because that would have been even worse. You know, we thought we'd, we'd go week by week. But after a while, I just had to cancel a whole year of workshops, which wow. which did hurt. Although most people, you know, stayed on board and said, I'll just just, you know, schedule it whenever. So 18 months later, I restarted strong, a normal year. So it's been uh, a year and a half of regular workshops again. So which which was great. Last year uh, was actually my 10th year anniversary of running workshops um, wow, as my main gig. And so, and it was probably my favorite year ever. I think there was a combination of, you know, just being back to doing what I love and you don't realize how much you love it until you can't do it and then you miss it mm -hmm. so much. And then also, um, and, and because it was really a, a great travel year and, and met, I am, and I met so many amazing people through the workshop. So overall, it's just a combination of a lot of things, but I just love it. So hopefully, um, we don't have to deal with this anytime <laughs> soon again. <laughs> so, so, so Valérie, you, you, you said 10 years of running workshops and deciding to teach and to actually convey your passion and, 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 and literally pass on the, 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 the learnings and the passion you have. Uh, what, what is your biggest learning through those 10 years of being in contact with people who want to develop their storytelling and their photography and their, you know, their, their passion for the craft? What, what, is the, what is the biggest thing you've learned throughout those 10 years? Oh my gosh. Um, to, to be true to yourself. And that's really something I, I teach and I, I repeat to people, you have to do what you love, shoot for yourself. And also, uh, realizing that, you know, teaching photography workshops is definitely a, a people, uh, a people job. And, uh, and that's the biggest part. Uh, you, you certainly don't do it for the traveling. You don't do it for the photography. You do it because you love people and you love to share and teach. So, uh, I think a, a lot of people get into that, with the misconception that it's like, oh, I'm going to travel the world and this and that. Well, yeah, you might, but uh, but but it's really all about 
the people yeah. in the interaction and taking care of people. And, and uh, be, you wear many hats on a workshop. Uh, you, although I try to tell, you know, my students that, uh, and they come from all over the world. So uh, sometimes um, they, they're, it's their first time in, in one, one location. And so, yeah, you try to, to help them, you know, find the best possible hotel if that's not included in the workshop and try to cater to, to all their needs. But, you know, when you do that uh, 10 to 15 times over a year, you know, that's a lot of people that may have, you know, a ton of questions before, during and after. So uh, it's really a people, people job. And, uh, and that's what I love. I mean, I love being with people. The camaraderie of, in a workshop is just amazing. And I think that's why people come, come again and again and again. So, so I make friends and sometimes I feel like I'm going on vacation with friends, to be honest. I've had so many workshops that have been almost exclusively, uh, repeat customers. So we know each other well, or they meet on workshop and they travel together again. And, and so that part has been just amazing. Yeah. I didn't even expect that when I started the workshops, I never thought about repeat business, return business. And, uh, and that's a huge percentage. So that's, that's a good sign. And, yes. and that's <laughs> those really, are, really fun. Yeah. Th- those are happy customers. And, and yeah. uh, one thing that, that, that comes to mind is the fact you said it yourself, it's a people you know, type of business and um, everybody is different. Everybody has different expectations. So how, how do you manage in a group? Uh, because I think you do one-on-one, but you also do group Oh uh, yeah, it's mostly group. It's mostly eight yeah. to ten people. So, um, well, you know, you have to you have to be available to to everybody's needs, and uh, and and I'm on the walks with everyone all the time. I'm available after hours. We usually hang out after after the the, the day is over, and and a lot of people meet for dinner, and and it's you never stop teaching basically. So it's really being available and in tune with people's needs. So um, yeah, it's very demanding. It's like very exhausting <laughs> actually. After a week long workshop, you're so <laughs> depleted, you know, from yeah. from you know answering question and and being um, you know making sure everything is smooth. So it's always very bittersweet. The end of a workshop is very sad because you're going to meet you're going to leave new friends and then but it also is it's so much joy because you know it went well and nobody got hurt and everybody's happy and everybody produced some quality work and they really improved and so so it's really uh, it's it's kind of a it's mixed emotion uh definitely mm. the the bittersweet experience it's a relief but at the same time it's very sad so um and then I, i'm completely energized too by by what's happening and the creativity i see uh it's just that it's more mentally tiring than physically. I could go forever. I could walk forever. That to me is not a problem, but um, it's just making sure everybody is having the best experience, and and that's pretty much relentless during the whole the whole workshop experience. Yeah. And what would you say to someone who goes to your workshop and you know just want to create a good image? How, how, how do you, how do you talk about something like that? I know it's not an easy subject <laughs> because it's very subjective, but yeah. I know a lot of people that go into Valérie Jardin's workshop because they want to shoot a Valérie Jardin image. So how, how yeah. do you manage that, that type of, uh, of expectation? And, and I, and that's the goal, you know, they, they come because first of all, they want to see how I do it. So they do. I'm, I'm, sh- 
I, we we're on photo walks for several hours every day on the streets. I I have several great itineraries in every location where I I offer them the opportunities, the 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 best backdrops, the you know to to create uh, a variety of of photographs that they they want to create, and then. Uh, and then it's on the street. So you really have control over nothing that's happening. It's all 100% candid, obviously. Uh, and uh, and I point out shots all the time. You know, I, I'll bring them to location when, when the group, uh, so we walk from point A to point B as a group. And then when we're in an area of interest, then everybody needs to spread out and go get their images. And that's when I... I, during an hour and then we regroup and then, you know, rinse and repeat. And so when they're all um, taking, you know, taking their pictures, that's when I do, I, I walk from one to the other and then, uh, and I point out shots or I, or they follow me and they said, I'd like to see how you do it. So trying to, to do whatever they, they, they want some, some just for a while want to kind of be my shadow to see our approach a situation. Uh, some are just want to be left alone and do their own thing. So, you know, I, I go and check on them as they're walking at a street, uh, you know, uh, uh, in the light or they've spotted some really good light. So I kind of watch from a distance and then, uh, and then sometime I'm the spotter. I'll be like, yeah, somebody really, really cool coming from the left, you know? So, uh, just so that they have the opportunity to create, beautiful imagery uh, while they are uh, on the destination, but it's really building blocks. They learn, it's like they, they, I'm giving them tools that will build on and the more tools they have, the, the better they will be at that. I mean, it, street photography is so difficult. Um, and, and uh, a lot of time I actually see those aha moment where all of a sudden they just get it. They, they know they, 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 they know that they have to put intent, that it's not a random shot that's never going to make a great photograph. There has to be some intent and, and there has to be a story. And, and all of a sudden they just see it and, or they, they see light for the first time sometimes. It's like, yeah, now I get it. So there's so many different levels. Um, but yeah, it's always so exciting, at, you know, when we do the, the review um, to see what they captured because... Uh, ultimately we're all in the same neighborhoods just not together obviously you don't do street photography as a pack but um and then they all saw um different things under different lights and uh, they were all attracted to to different things too so uh there's so many approaches to this genre too it's not just being you know it's not being in people's face you can do much more minimalist you can uh use um uh, reflections so um, yeah, whatever. And I always tell them, just be true to yourself, follow your heart. If you're not having fun, don't do it. You know, if getting close to people, is just not for you. Why do it? I, I would never push someone to do that because first of all, it's not going to make for a good experience for the photographer or for the subject. And it's really important that they, they feel at ease. And so some of them are more minimalist or they want to do silhouettes. Others will, you know, really want to get super close and, so yeah, it's it's all over the place, really. But for some reason, it always ends up being a very cohesive group, and the dynamic is always really, really good. I can't even think of one workshop where um, 
the not everyone was just getting along like one big family even even if it's just for a weekend so um hmm. it's it's fun to get the interaction after and they usually stay in touch and meet again and so that's really fun too would you say that you even you know draw some inspiration sometimes from from some of the workshop attendee because we think about it as you know there's a a teacher and then you know the 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 la matière is passed on and then you know you, you the, the 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 students are becoming better and better but do you sometimes get out of the workshop and say oh my god i actually learned something from one of my students oh absolutely i think uh, the best way to learn is to teach right and um <laughs> and often during the review i see some photographs i'm like wow you know i wish i had captured that so that's the ultimate good feeling for a teacher you know is when you see your 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 students and they you know they're from their 30s to you know of 80 i mean the the <laughs> age uh, span is huge on a on a workshop and but they all share that same passion and and i see a lot of me in their work too i mean obviously they get they like my work otherwise they wouldn't be coming on a workshop and then um and then the I can see that there is some kind of a little imprint of my work in their work. Uh, so that's kind of cool too. Yeah. That's very cool. And so how, how, how do you stay inspired? Because I mean, you, you're, you're very busy. So you, you teach, uh, uh, you, 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 you're, you're working on some books and so on and so forth. So what, what gets you, you know, in a creative mindset, is it to actually do the craft day in and day out? Do you talk to other creatives or do you read books? Like what, what, what's, what's your, your biggest tips here to stay inspired all these years? I just shoot all the time. I'm, I always have projects. Um, I mean, I live in a cold state <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, I, I have winter projects like, and they're different. Sometimes they last a couple winters. Sometimes they're just one, one winter. I try new techniques. There is already something you haven't seen. Um, so even like the first, the, the first pandemic winter, the 20 to 21, um, I didn't travel. Um, and I was, you know, I stayed in, in, in this cold climate for several months. And, uh, I found ways to to make the best of it. And it was probably one of my favorite winter in, in the snow because I worked on a project called On Ice where I documented life on the frozen lakes. And so you, you should always find ways to to use your craft. You can certainly work on documentary projects or um, I did some visual narratives projects. Right now I'm, I'm working with uh, motion in the snowy landscape. So it's ICM but in the snow um, and I'm having a blast with it. So it's really personal stuff, but it's actually quite interesting. If uh, um, it's often personal projects because you put so much heart into it, they're the ones that stand out. And, uh, and, and I, I have the luxury of only having to shoot for myself. Now I haven't shot for a client for, you know, 10 years and I sh certainly don't miss it. I have no one to please, but myself. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's as if I was back. Um, I mean, it's amateur. I, I'm I'm back to being an amateur in that sense that I don't work for clients. I teach. I inspire. I'm in the business of inspiring people and sharing my passion. But I don't need to please anyone with my work. People like it, great. They don't like it, I don't care. And but that is so key to finding your voice and being true to yourself. And because I think 
social media has, has damaged that a little bit where people tend to want to shoot for, for likes and an audience. And yeah, we all like, we all like, uh, likes, uh, obviously, but, um, you're the, if you do this and usually street photographers do this for themselves, uh, they're the only person ultimately they have to please. So, um, but you have to remind that you have to remind people that often that that is yeah. so true what you're saying and there there's i i talk a lot about it on the podcast with other photographers and it's a love-hate relationship right with social media because in 2023 if you want to sell workshops or if you want to make a living out of photography social media is kind of a necessary evil mm-hmm. um, but at the same time it's creating a whole generation of people who consider great work Um, based on likes and followers and stuff like that. And to your point, um, it's might not be the ultimate way to to judge uh, work. And um, mm-hmm. when you have clients, it's a completely different ballgame. I'm, I'm 100% agreeing with you. Uh, so uh, so kudos, kudos for taking that leap of faith and, and, and uh, that courage to say, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna build a model where I'm not dependent on, you know, clients that are telling me what to do or agencies and so on and so forth and and also uh, th- that you can shoot for 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 yourself and be uh, be happy in in creating a, a different set of expectations uh that pleases you so so i want to congratulate you on that front because it's uh, it's not an easy choice to make <laughs> yeah but you know people I, but social media is also good because uh in the way that people may notice you and exactly. it's happened to me although i don't shoot commercially anymore i've had requests from Big ad agencies like Publicis, which is, I think, second largest ad agency yeah. in the world, uh, to purchase some of my work for an international campaign of a major brand. So you never know who is looking. So you really have to put, you know, work that you like out there and, and your best work. Don't flood, you know, Instagram with 20 pictures a day. Um, be really discerning. Uh, and that word comes a lot in my vocabulary and every aspect of photography. And But it applies in social media. Be discerning as to what you put out there because you never know who is looking. And those, you know, when it happened to me, when I started getting calls from uh, clients who want to buy a picture that's already <laughs> out there, you know, it's like, wow, that's 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 pretty nice. I don't, The work is already done. And um And so, and it's not like I had tagged it in a specific way. So somebody from the agency must have been following me. You never know. So uh, yeah. that that can that can actually change a life. That you can have an opportunity all of a sudden from social media that changes your entire career potentially. So um, it's important to do social media well. I think it's better to do less but better. Um, yeah, I, and- I, I quit Facebook years ago. I never yeah. looked back, never missed it. Um, I'm on Instagram pretty much exclusively, but Instagram is changing. The algorithms yep. are changing right now. I think it's, uh, un- it's less than 50% of visibility than it was just a few months ago. So things are really changing. I jumped onto that new, um, uh, platform Vero, Vero, yeah, I think Vero, we're connected on, yeah. um, and just, just, uh, recently. So it's, it's hard. It's so slow to build an audience and, uh, but you know, I'll give it a chance. It, it's actually kind of cool. So, um, but I don't want to be all over the place. I don't post anything else, any, anything anywhere else, 
but also my business relies heavily on um, mailing lists. So like a a newsletter to update and that's how my workshops sell. I mean, a little bit, I I don't really use social media as in, as an advertising platform. I don't even use the ads, but um, occasionally like I'll post, Hey, this one spot just reopened. So that's an easy way to, to, to uh, put it out there versus, you know, bothering thousands of people with a newsletter to just tell them there is one spot open. So I, I use it for that mostly. But yeah, you have to you have to be able to give something, at least inspire people and not try to sell, sell, sell. You know, people don't like that either. Exactly. I think it was uh, Gary Vaynerchuk who said the jab, 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 right hook. That's that's kind of the strategy here. You have to, to give, 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 and then uh, maybe yep. propose something uh, in return. But I think yeah, you, you, you're you're completely right in terms of using it in a what 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 would you put in a gallery, right? Like w- would you just put all of your pictures back to back to back? No, you would actually be the curator of your own work. So this is Absolutely. what actually should be done. If you want to use it in that way, I mean, there's other other tactics to use Instagram to attract different type of audiences. But I think for uh, somebody who wants to um, share his passion, share his work in a very intentional way, I think you're, you're you're bang on when you say that. Hey, you should treat it in a in a very careful way, in a very curated way, and people will notice that. People will notice the the effort, but people will notice the fact that you're putting some thought into into it and you're not just to your point flooding the the platform for the algorithm and the other portion is if you use it to gauge your work and to understand if your work is good or not it this is definitely not the right place to because you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of silhouette and sunset and sunrise nothing against those photos those are great photos i take some likes yeah but this is what gets the likes and so on and so forth so if you compare yourself to that you might be skewed in a very, um, very weird direction where everybody takes the same photo. So I, 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 when I see somebody with a very creative feed that I haven't seen in a long time, this is the type of people I'm following because it's making me evolve. It's making me think about photography in a different way. If it's another landscape photo of a sunset, yeah, if it's very well done, I might, you know, like or follow. But at the end of the day, it's it's not bringing me any any value. So so that's. Mm. Uh, that's an, inter- an interesting part of, uh, of social media that has evolved a lot over the past few years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's funny because I, I already, already know when I post a picture uh, about how many likes it's going to get on average. And the ones that I know have the most merit that are the, the most compelling street photographs are not going to get as many likes as a silhouette that was actually pretty easy to capture. So definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's go to a tough question. I, I told uh-huh. you before the show, I will, I would ask you a question about, about that. Valérie, after all those years, what makes a good image? I know it's a tough one, but for you, <laughs> what makes a good image? <laughs> well, as a documentary photographer, because I hate the word street photography because half of my work is actually done on the beach or, you know, uh, on the lake or something. So as long as there are people, um, well, they has to have any, it has to have an emotion. I mean, it's so clear that in this type of photography, it's definitely not the technical part. Who cares? I see my fair share of technically uh, great, technically good pictures, but no story, no emotion, and 
bad photographs overall. Uh, although the technical part is, the technical part will always be the, the easy part in photography. Anyways, now the ability to to see to um, and to capture a a moment in that fraction of a second that's never happened and will never happen again, and you get the, the decisive moment that that is the most satisfaction. That doesn't happen every day. Um, and that will make a compelling photograph. Um, there has to be a story, an emotion. There has to be something you have to know, you know, what what's the subject. And then it, it's leaving room for the imagination. Obviously, we don't know what the story is for sure, but you should have your own interpretation interpretation of the story. And that's the that's the beauty of it. Yeah. And 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 to be hundred percent candid, no, not yeah. directing, not asking people to do this or that. Um, they have to, they have to be strangers and they have to be in a hundred percent candid situation. And, and, uh, that to me, it's not even being a purist, it's being ethical because, you know, that's what the genre is about, right? Um, there are a lot of people who really take liberties in this genre. And I think it's of disservice. And I was just talking, uh, I was just doing a critique session and we were discussing that. Um, first of all, it's, if if you, if you are quote unquote cheating and directing someone to do something and make it look like a candid moment, um, it's... Yes, it's going to be a beautiful photograph, but you can't say it's candid or it's street photography. It doesn't fit in what that genre is. And it's also um, a disservice to the to to the community because some people may look at the work and and think that maybe it was really candid. How can they achieve such, you know, perfection in a candid situation where you have control of nothing except your gear and your vision? And so people may get really down on themselves because they'll never get to that level if they're truly look for the for the candid shot. I mean occasionally, yes, you'll get that almost perfection that's happening in in that fraction of a second. Um, and but those times are really rare. So, of course, I'm sure it's tempting for people to to control it and to stage it. But uh, to me, that that defeats the purpose because it takes the whole merit out of the equation and all the fun well, it, and the challenge. It, it, it the goes back to your other gone. point of you shouldn't be able to recreate that moment. It's a moment that happens once in a lifetime, exactly. a fraction of Not, a second. If yep. you can recreate it, then it defeats the purpose. Then it becomes a movie or something, you know? <laughs> exactly. And it's a pretty picture, but it's just not street photography. So if you're directing, just, just say, you know, this is, don't yeah. tag it as street photography because that's dishonest. And, um, and it, it's not just being a, I'm not saying that because I'm, I'm a purist. Yes. I, my work is a hundred percent, a hundred percent, uh, candid and I wouldn't even, and, and, Granted, people would not know, except I usually have a whole lot of witnesses with me because I'm on workshops all the time, but um, it would not be any fun. I would never do that otherwise, because again, it would not only take the merit out of it, but it would take the fun and the challenge. If it was easy, what fun would it be? I mean, I chose this genre of photography because of its ultimate challenge and because it's what you have is completely unique. No one's had it before. No one could, can have it after and even yourself cannot replicate it and that's the beauty of it it's the the unique aspect of it that i absolutely love 
It's yeah. a it's a nice segue to my next question. And <laughs> this is a question I started to ask recently, and you're going to understand why. And I think I know the answer you're going to give me. But what about AI in photography, augmented reality in photography, or uh, uh, computational photography, all this, this computer power put towards photography. And now there's even people that are creating images out of AI. So again, I think I know the answer, but for <laughs> you, what does that represent for the photography world? Oh, I mean, I think any art form is fun. And if people are having fun doing that, it's fine. It's just a completely different genre. You know, it's it's like if you were using uh, video to freeze a moment in time and call it street photography. It's not. It, that is not. Again, it would defeat the purpose. But um, but there are so many other genres and new genres of photography that are emerging. And I think that's that's great. It's not for me. Um, I mean, once in a while, I, I'm thinking, ah, drone photography could be kind of cool, you know, I uh, because I don't just do street photography either. I do a lot of contemplative photography and such, and I love patterns and I see some beautiful work from drones and, and I know there is a, a it's, it's not as easy as it looks. And so I, I'm tempted by, you know, if I had time uh, to try new things, but uh, anything that requires time in front of a computer. No, that's not for me. I mean, I, I, I barely spend any time on my pictures because I've, I stopped shooting raw 10 years ago and uh, I'm a complete minimalist. I make the. I to me, it's all about making decisions before you press the shutter, and that's really how you become a better photographer. Anything you do in post processing is not going to teach you much. And so, I, down to making the decision if it's color or black and white. To me, that's decision that's made before I press the shutter, and um, and 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 that's a personal choice. Um, I think a lot of people benefit from setting some limitations, uh, but not everybody wants or can. Um, I do think that limitations make um, will make people um, better storyteller, visual storyteller in the long run. And, um, and yeah, but trying new things that would require more computer time. Nope, not for me. I have a five <laughs> second rule on a given picture and that's it. So, so, and I, so I kind of knew uh, the, the answer you would give me. But uh, speaking of computational photography, though, so you make you're talking about making decisions before you press the shutter. You and I uses you and I use these little cameras, the Fujifilm cameras, and this will be the only portion where we talk about gear. Uh, last time we spoke, it was about Fujifilm cameras, but this time it's my podcast and it's all about visual storytelling. But I want to ask you a question related to that: um, How important? Uh, the Fujifilm recipe and black and white and being able to do kind of a film emulation directly on the uh, card. How important has this been in your choice to move away from editing any of your photos on, on the computer? How important was it? Um, it was huge. I mean, I and, and the reason I switched to Fujifilm, uh, I just love the film simulation. I, I've changed them as they came up with new ones with the different editions of the of the cameras but um i shoot with i shoot in acros with yellow filter and i do my own little you know recipe of highlights and shadows so that it's pretty much consistent i mean i do a little tweaking you know with clarity and post-processing you know again five seconds at most uh per picture if it takes longer than that it's probably not worth it and uh my colors are usually classic chrome or classic negative depending on the on the color but pretty consistent throughout and 
and I love it. Sometimes I jump into film simulation bracketing where I'll have options, but yeah. um, I like I like being able to decide. You know, as as when we when we used to put a roll of film in our camera, you know, we were stuck with black and white for thirty six or twenty four exposures, and and we had to live with it. And then you you see differently too. That's the whole frame of mind is completely different when you make the decision before you press the shutter, and so you will. Um, and we have the advantage to be able to switch it on the spot. Even though I make the decision, I can see something. The story is going to be all about color. You know, I can switch it on the spot. It's really quick. So um, I like that. I like making that decision because no matter what, and I always tell my my work shop participants i don't care if they shoot raw jpeg or both uh, i i'm never gonna ask someone oh no you should choose no i that's totally up to them and i can i i'm jumping without a safety net it's not for everyone and and sometimes they even though they shoot both and they never look at the raw they kind of like to have it so that's totally fine but they should always know if what they see is black and white or color before they press the shutter, because that's part of the creative process. And that's the decision they should be making in the field, not in front of a computer. It's very rare that an image will be as good in both. One is always going to be stronger. So, so then get, get in the habit of, of looking at the world you know, in color or black and white, but you should know, okay, this, the color is way too strong. There's too many distractions. This will be a really great black and white shot. So making those decisions really helps them become better photographers. Yeah. Have you ever been tempted to try those monochrome sensors from a certain brand? <laughs> you know, uh, like the no. pure monochrome uh, experience? No, so the the you know I think that would be really fun, and I'm I don't I'm not saying that I won't. Um, I have a lot of uh, workshop participants that that come with those beautiful monochrome cameras, and and they're great. I mean, there's it's just for me if it's not broken, don't fix it. And uh, yeah. and I I've been shooting with the same camera for nearly ten years now, and that's all I need. I have two of two of two of each one because I always need a backup and that's all I need. I mean, actually literally now I don't have anything else. I may have an, X, an old X pro one or two, but that's one, it. Two. So, so, so it's X 100 V two times and one X pro two. That's it. That, that's your whole. Well, I have all the, I have the F and the, S, you know, I have the, the T I, I keep the old ones, but well, nice. some of them have my name as a, as a serial number. So I, uh-huh. would, not give, I would not sell those, <laughs> For but sure. I've given yeah. some, like I've, I've given some to my brother and, and such, because obviously when you get the new one, you know, but Valérie, Valérie, one, one day it's going to be like Vivian Meyer. Like people are going to be buying that for a million dollars because it has Valérie's you know, name on it. I was at the launch for the V in uh, actually February 2020. It was one of the last few trips before the pandemic hit. And I was in London as the one official ambassador invited for the release. And uh, that was the joke then because the whole team from Japan was there. I said, thank you for calling it V for Valerie. <laughs> the X100 Valerie. That's beautiful. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but Valerie, um, it's, it's a very nice conversation and, and it's, it's, uh, it's good to see that there are uh, uh, more and more women uh, doing uh, photography and workshop. I mean, I've interviewed uh, some uh, great, great, great photographers and, um, would you would you say that this is still a heavily uh, man focused type of practice, or do you see also on your end uh, more and more women uh, going into photography? Oh, um, I think it yes, it's changing. I I think 
women are just not as vocal about it, I think. Uh, so it feels like it's still very heavily male dominated. But on my workshops, I usually have um, more women than men. So nice. they're really interested in this genre. And uh, I mean, sometimes there'll be, sometimes it could be 100% women, sometimes it could be nine guys and one one woman on the on the workshop. But usually it's 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 pretty split in the middle, but if there is, but overall in one year there will be more women uh, doing workshops and wanting to learn about this genre than men. And their work is is also very different. I mean, you the, the sensitivity that what I call the the emotional metadata that's attached to the picture. Mm. You, it, it we produce different work, you know, different sensitivities too. So um, it's quite interesting. Yeah, that's very true. Um, I don't know if you know her, John Marie. Uh, she's a black and white photographer, also, and uh, she. Uh, you can. Uh, I'll put a link uh, down below because I think there's similarities actually between uh, both of your work, and and I, I think she she's inspired by you. She told me once, so uh, I'll oh, I'll send you her link, and uh, you. you can you can tell me uh, 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 if uh, if you like what you see. But more, men or women, what would you tell a young person who you know looks at Instagram and see those influencers gear this gear that what how, how would you brief a young person let's say a 16 year old who want to get into photography what are the the tips and tricks and and the 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 the, 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 the things they need to be cautious about that didn't exist back then but today it's it's a very unique world the world of photography and creativity what would be the tips yeah, to try not to get that gear envy because, I mean, obviously we all know the camera is not going to make the photograph, but uh, to find something that they feel good about. And, you know, what I always tell people when they want, oh, I really want this latest camera. And I always warn them, so you know that you won't be able to tell a difference in the in the photographs, right? It's going to be the same. But if if you're so happy to have this new camera, and you're so excited that you're going to take it out every day, then yes, you will definitely step up your game because the more you're out there, the more the better you're going to become, right? As a as a as a photographer, so uh, that's the only way a new camera will make you a better photographer is if it takes you on more photo walks. But um, for 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 someone who's just starting in photography and really doesn't know what they want to do. Um, it's good to to keep the flexibility because they may not want to shoot with a camera that with no interchangeable lenses like mine. I mean, you have to live with those limitations. You know, I'm at 23 millimeter and, you know, period. That's all. I can't. I'm not changing it. I can't. And and I live with that and I love it. I love the I love the consistency in the body of work. And I and it's 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 my favorite focal length. It's the way I, I see. But because I. I, I made that decision, but someone who is just starting may want to try different focal length lens, different focal length lenses, uh, and um, and and see w which one is the sweet spot for them. So um, maybe not buy a whole lot, but maybe rent for a few weeks or borrow from friends uh, different focal lengths to see what they like to shoot and try different things try a lot of things because it has to be fun and shoot what you love I mean if um, yeah. if you love sports well just go for it you know if you love nature well just shoot nature I think the work will shine in what they're most passionate about anyways I think that's true completely for agree completely yeah. agree with you and I think 
the best advice is to shoot what you love. A bit like when we say, you know, find something you love and you'll never have to work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. Well, find something you love and you'll be passionate about photography for the rest of your life. Absolutely. I think that's the, yeah. The best, so if the best you love people, you, people, you know, photograph people. Uh, but if you if you don't like people, then street photography is probably <laughs> not going to be for you. Uh, so, yeah, there there's so many beautiful genres and and no one should feel like they have to stick to just one thing i mean i mm. i do a, i even do nature which i don't often share but i do it for me uh usually with my phone that's uh-huh. the only time i usually don't bring a camera is actually when i go for a hike but um unless i know there's going to be people uh, but the x100v is so small why don't you bring it on the hike <laughs> <laughs> well you know because usually it's family time oh, okay, um and um I do a lot of uh, contemplative or what people call mindful type of photography. And and I teach that. And I love that. I mean, I love that nearly as much as I do uh, street photography. And so um, I love to share my passion about that. I've written books on that too. And uh, it's, it's the best therapy. And that you don't even need to leave your house to do so um i think there's Valérie, so Valérie, mindful photography i i love it I, i i'm not sure exactly what it is can you can you walk me through a bit <laughs> well it's really i call it um actually my my line of workshops for contemplative photography is it's called see like see rome with your heart see paris with your heart it's really responding to light shadows reflections and uh, so it's all still life photography but without altering anything so i pro- I, i i use the same ah. um the same approach as i do for street like if i see something really beautiful that's catching that you know it could be uh it could be anything a chair sitting in a cafe and there is the light hitting it The, the, the when there's like a empty cup of coffee that's left there's no people okay that's there's not people involved in this type of photography and so i will not move anything i will actually use the same dance as the street photographer does where to to position yourself in the best possible spot to get the strongest possible photograph i apply the same with inanimate object not and and challenging myself to remove distracting elements in camera by moving myself, not arranging anything. And um, I just finished an online uh, mentoring session and um, on that as well. And people loved it. They said it really opened their eyes to so many things around them that they, mm. that can create beautiful images. And it could be the most mundane object, uh, making anything look beautiful, by the way you're going to, by the decisions you will make in camera, you know, the depth of field, the, the, the way you will, um, if you shoot it from above or from below or whatever. So it's really those visual exercises that people can do pretty much anywhere. And, and what, uh, if you're not into street photography, although I find that they kind of cross over because a lot of street photographers have taken those classes with me and vice versa. And they love it. They find that contemplative photography has really opened their eyes on the street to, to things they wouldn't have seen before to add to their street photography, like reflections and things like that. And, uh, so the contemplative, the see with your heart workshop, uh, I mean, what better way to, to walk through a city somewhere in the world with friends than just, you know, be in tune with, with your emotion and, and respond to 
stimuli that could be light shadows, whatever, and try to make compelling photographs. So that's been Mm -hmm. a ton of fun. I'm so glad I started that. Um, And it really became popular during the pandemic when people's world all of a sudden just shrunk. And what they had was the view from their window. And so I started teaching that online at that time. And then it turned into a a new type of um, workshop that I offer as well. So I, I, I really like that and uh, you're, you're giving me and I'm sure the listeners a lot to think about <laughs> and sometimes you don't have to get on the plane or uh, get right. outside. You can even do that in the comfort of your home and it's uh, pretty sure meditative. And I, I, I when you explain it, I'm like, oh, yes, I guess I, I do it myself when I see I don't oh, know, yeah, a nice light going through uh, the stairs yeah. And I'm like, let me take a photo of that. But I, exactly. I, I now I know I, I can put words on that type of photography. So I love, yep. uh, I love a conversation there. <laughs> yeah, meditative is another way of calling it. Um, yeah, I, I wrote an ebook about that, and I, I, I love it. I mean, it's uh, something I do every day, honestly. Mm. Even if I'm not going anywhere and I don't see people and I, I don't have, um, I can't be out on the streets, um, I will definitely do that. You know, you always see this. You'll notice something in your home on your windowsill that you never noticed before because the light does never hit it that way. Exactly. And then, uh, and then you know, try to to do something with it. So that's been really fun. That is and it's very been really fun inspiring. to see people doing that. What? Yes, that is. That is very inspiring. And, and <laughs> just like the, the whole conversation, I think uh, this has been a great, great conversation, Valérie. So yeah. if people want to learn more about you, I mean, yes, they can find you uh, on, on your website and on the street. But where, where can they do a deep dive into into your work? Like, how can they learn more about, you know, meditative photography and all this great stuff? Where, where can they learn about it? Um, well, they can, you know, everything is listed on, on my website. Um, and also whenever there is something new, a new class or something, I, I announce it on the newsletter first. So, uh, same with, with workshops, sometimes they sell out immediately after the the newsletters launch. And so that's really, if people are interested, that's where they should, uh, and I don't bother people very often. I send a newsletter like every two months. Um, and uh, my website is valeriejardin.com or valeriejardinphotography.com. They'll go to the same place. So V-A-L-E-R-I-E-J-A-R-D-I-N. And it's the same at Valérie Jardin on Instagram and Vero as well. Yeah. 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 We invite uh, people to connect with uh, with us on Vero. That's something yeah. uh, we're trying out and see if there's uh, a potential there. So, uh, Valérie, I want to thank you again for oh, thank you. the past. Wow. Time flies. We've been talking for 45 minutes. This is crazy. <laughs> and uh, I'm sorry for the audio also because we had some mic issues. And Valérie is a former po- podcaster, so she understands that sometimes technical difficulty occurs. So hopefully the sound is not that bad, but the the content was so great that I'm sure the listeners uh, will get a lot out of it. So Valérie, I want to thank you and I want to wish you a very, very successful reminder of 2023. And let's keep posted because I'm sure that there's a lot more inspiration in conversations like we had or workshops or the work you're going to share. So let's let's keep in touch. And again, Valérie, thank you so much. Merci, à bientôt. Merci, au revoir, à la prochaine. Au revoir.